name is Neil Middleton and every month we create informative content for you as we talk to important, influential and inspirational people from the world of bats as well as other areas of interest. To find out more about Batability, go to batability.co.uk. Now for the interview, let's do it. And hello everyone, hope you're all well today. And thank you so, so much for joining us on Talking Bat. And this month, we are Talking Bat with Nils Buya. Okay, so I hope I've got the pronunciation correct there, Nils. Uh, how did that sound to you? How are you doing? Hi, Neil. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I'm really good. I'm really good. Probably our first really cold day this morning in Central to Scotland. Um, it was about, what, two, three degrees, um, not quite frosty, but certainly feeling a chill in the air. You're in Portugal, is that right? Yeah, we've got, what, between 15 and 18 degrees and bright blue sky, yeah, that, that's what we're getting. Wow, okay. Now, everybody, uh, Nils is uh, from Belgium, okay, but he's in Portugal at the moment. And uh, do you want to just tell us a little bit, Nils, what you're doing in Portugal in November 2020? What are you doing down um, there? Yes, I'm escaping the rain we're getting in Belgium because that's all we get in November. Um, <laughs> but, no, I mean, that, that, that's about it, really. Uh, th- these are fairly difficult times. Um, and... Sunshine helps, and yeah. I have the opportunity to to come in because I work remotely anyway. So it, it's no difference to me to work from here or from my home in Belgium. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. And have you been able to do any batting whilst you're there? Uh, any bats about? Yeah, there are a few, not as as many as I would expect, but I've had. So I've got I have good diversity, just not high numbers. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Good stuff. So, ladies and gentlemen, quite a lot of you will know uh, at least a little bit about Nils. Nils was the gentleman behind this international batty extravaganza, <laughs> which, which uh, for some for some crazy reason he decided would be a good a good idea uh, a couple of years ago, called the Big Bat Year. So we're going to be talking a bit to Nils today about the big bat year uh, but we're going to talk to him about some other stuff as well okay it's not going to be 100% batty um, because uh, there's, there's lots of other aspects to what this gentleman is about so I think it's really important and it would be really nice for you just to kind of get uh, a good feel for you know for, for him so moving on Nils um, where did it all start for you I mean how did you get into nature, wildlife, bats? I mean, what is the background? What's the backdrop? So I didn't fall in a pit like, like, like the actual Batman. Um, I, I've been a birder for a long time. Um, and actually, I've been interested in wildlife ever since I was about this size. For a reason we still don't understand because my family is not really into wildlife. So somehow something happened in my brain. Uh, but anyway. Um, <laughs> And yeah, um, I was um, doing regu- regular activities with a group of other young birders in, in Belgium. And um, one day we were invited to join a bat survey because the, the people from the bat group needed some, some help. And uh, I joined and I fell in love with the bats. And um, yeah, <laughs> I haven't been able to move on. Yeah, and how long ago was that? I mean, you must have was- been... Yeah, so there's a weird story there because yeah, good for it. that's what that's what you I'm, hear from Nils. Yeah, I'm sure that story. it was 2014, okay. and a good friend of mine is of the same opinion. There is evidence that it was actually 2013, so we are both very confused, and our our memories is, is, is yeah. I don't know when it was, but it happened in either 2014 or 2013. Yeah, it's weird. Okay. Okay. Brilliant. And, but prior to that, you'd been interested in, in birds, as you say, uh, all of your, well, since you were a small, small child, yes. It's a bit similar to me. I, I, started, I started bird. I remember my very first uh, bird watching expedition, and I was 
eight and a half years old. Okay, <laughs> and that was my uh, that was me. I was hooked on birds from the age of uh, eight and a half. So yeah, and it's easier for kids to look for birds than look for bats. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely, and uh, yeah, no, absolutely. So you went to university in the United Kingdom, is that right? In, in London? It's... Yeah, I did my master's at Imperial College London in ecology and conservation. Okay. Um, it was on a small campus outside of London, uh, somewhere in Berkshire. It, it, it was nice because it was green. I found nine species of bats. Um, yeah, no, it was nice. It was much nicer than central London, yeah. Yeah, and did you do a project specifically on bats as part of your uh, university? Work. No, I did not. Uh, so I had two projects and both were on birds. Okay, okay. So what bird, what bird species were you uh, looking at there then? The first one was, was, um, was not on specific bird. It was most, uh, mostly on uh, how... So I was looking into how different, of how different people of different levels of expertise would make different mistakes when identifying a set of uh, common birds, those common garden birds. And then the second project was on storm petrels in Portugal with uh, Cardiff University. Wow. So was this uh, nesting storm petrels so funny? No, so they're not nesting there. They're yeah. on migration, but um, by using a, an obnoxiously loud megaphone, way <laughs> back, we were, we, they've been able to attract them on that cliff for over 20 years and catch them every year. Yeah, so it is the only place on the planet where they're ringed on migration instead of on the breeding colonies. So it give, it, it allows for some very interesting research. So, ladies and gentlemen, um, I'm quite sure a lot of you will be familiar with the technique we use with bats, where we use acoustic lures to lure bats and towards mist nets and harp traps and the like. So I think, Nils, what you're talking about there is the same sort of technique. Uh, it's, it's a big speaker, it's shouting out the bird calls yeah. and the birds are then coming yeah. in to investigate. But the main us. difference is that you can hear them <laughs> as opposed to battlers. Yeah. So when you have to spend the whole night and do that every night for three weeks, it, it yeah, it's not like using battlers. <laughs> Because you're hearing, you're hearing the sound all of the time, yeah. It's yeah. incredibly annoying. <laughs> At some point during the day, we had the, the 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 song of that bird come up on the on the car radio because someone had plugged in, plugged in their phone and it was still running the, 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 the that song, and we all jumped because it was just not. <laughs> oh, amazing stuff, amazing stuff. So I I happened to. I was doing a little bit of stalking, okay? So I was, I've been stalking you for the last couple of days, okay? On social media and Twitter and uh, and goodness knows what else, okay? Nothing dodgy, okay? Just uh, just normal internet stuff. Okay. And, uh, and I found this uh, picture of Batman. I think this came off of your Facebook page, yeah? But that then, that then sparked something in my memory about a conversation that I had with you uh, in the past. I'm thinking that's right. That's quite a good picture to have up for Nils because it maybe allows him to talk about one of his other passions. So do you want to maybe talk about the Lego Batman there and what you get up to when you're doing bat work at least some of the time? Sure. Um, so, I mean, as a kid, I loved Legos because it allows you to build an infinite number of things and it was great. And then when I started to earn my own money, I realized that I could actually buy myself Lego sets and choose the ones I wanted. Okay. And that's about the time when Lego started to release sort of large formats of some of the Star Wars characters. So it started with BB-8, the little Rolly droid from the new trilogy. Yeah. And then they released Yoda and then they released um, a porg. It was one of the puffin-looking animals from also the last trilogy. If you're enjoying listening to our podcasts, perhaps you would also be interested in joining Batability Club. 
find out more about Club, which includes hundreds of hours of accessible training resources available to you in your own time and at your pace, go to battability.co.uk. Thank you. And I bought all three, and I, I, I've ordered the the new one, the child from the new series, The Mandalorian. So I, I, I like those, but I just build them as they're supposed to be. I haven't touched them, uh, so it's not like the old days where I would modify the sets and things like that. Yeah. And then they released that one. That was the 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 Batwing from the 1989 movie. Right. And um, well, they had released the Batmobile a few years ago. But I, I didn't like the look of it. And I buy these sets because I think they would look nice in my living room. And the Batwing just looks incredible. And it can be wall mounted, which I haven't done yet. But I think that's a, a, a great feature to think of when you design a set is where are people going to put the bloody thing? Because it's huge. It's 60 centimeters by 45. Okay. I think it's huge. And it's two and a half kilos. Well, yeah. <laughs> wow. Wow. So Legos are definitely one of the main things I do when I'm not batting. Um, yeah. uh, what, about other stuff? what other stuff do you do if you're not batting? Are you into, do you I, watch? I, I, sometimes I feel like I'm batting all the time. Because right. when I'm not out with the bats, I'm on my computer with some virtual bats. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Looking at bat calls. Yeah. Uh, or I'm talking to people about bats. Or I'm doing some work for the IUCN on red list assessments with bats. Yeah, it's there's a lot of bats in my life. Yeah, yeah, wall to wall bats. I've got to say, I mean, from one point of view, like I've been doing bats almost not quite thirty years, uh, but not far off thirty years, and and I think I've now got to the situation now where uh, I'm not necessarily in bat mode every waking hour of every day. I'm quite happy to have nights where I just sit at home and I put on soap or you know on the television or just listen to music or play guitar or whatever it is and yeah and I, I actually get myself in situations now where I maybe go two or three days where I haven't actually you know thought that much about bats but certainly 10 years ago it was like every waking hour was just bat 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 um so yeah <laughs> so about getting the balance isn't it trying to yeah. get a balance yeah yeah. Okay, so you're also quite big in your photography as well. Do you want to talk a little bit about your photography? Yeah, so, I mean, I actually started photography about when I started, like, proper bird watching. Um, I realised that I wanted to take something home with me. And a few centuries ago, we just shoot down the birds to bring them home with us, but it's not, it's not my style. So photography was the, the obvious choice there. And I also realized that it was a great way to, to show things to people that they wouldn't normally see otherwise. Um, show them some shy birds, show them some rare birds, show them some bats they'll probably never see. Bats most people on earth have probably have never seen. I took some pictures during my big bat year that there are maybe five other pictures in the world of those bat species. Wow. So they're incredible opportunities to, to show any animal or any living thing to people because it's hard to convey a message about conservation when all you have is a scientific name that no one can even pronounce correctly. Yeah. It, it's much better to have a nice looking picture and be like, this is the thing we want to protect, you know? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. if you look at pandas, for example, they, they wouldn't, be so popular if we didn't know what they looked like yeah, it's because yeah. they they look cute and they they're completely stupid on videos and then that's why people love them yeah but if, yeah. if if they only were like one of those 18th century drawings we they wouldn't um be of so much interest to people yeah so just just give us a little bit of a a preamble okay to the big bat here and i suppose i'm gonna just sort of say to you what I would have wanted to say to you when this thing first started appearing in social media, uh, probably almost two years ago now, 
Yeah. And I suppose everybody in the bat world, including myself, probably just went, what? <laughs> no. Who is this guy? What yeah. is he doing? Yeah, Why is he doing it? Yeah. Yeah. So, so tell me about the lead up. And I mean, I think I know where the idea came from. I'll leave you to tell us where the idea came from. Where were you from the point of view in your life, which made this possible, so to speak? Yeah, so talk a bit about that, Nils. Okay, so yeah, when I started announcing that I was going to do that, I had two very different kinds of responses. I had the kind that you just described where people went like, what? <laughs> and that was mainly coming from the back world. And then I had responses of people that were, I thought it was a great idea, I should really do it. And that was from the bird world. And the reason there's that difference is because I took an idea from the bird world and put it into the back world. Big years have been going on forever in birds. And I know a few people who have done them worldwide. And you know, each person doing it breaks the previous record, things like that. Um, no, one's, no one had ever done it with bats. And I thought it was a great opportunity because every time someone did it with birds worldwide, it attracted so much attention that it was so easy to just put the spotlight on a specific conservation issue and you immediately had the audience to show them. Um, and I thought it would be a great opportunity to do it with bats because it would also attract a different public than the conservation work that had been done so far. Uh, it would, uh, obviously the, the bird world got really into it into my project even though they're mostly into birds but not bats but now i've got and i know of quite a few birders who are not into bats thanks to to what i did yeah. um so it started as a joke a friend of mine uh said i should do that with bats and i said nah it's not possible um turns out it is <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i actually it, the idea stayed there. I said, no, it's not possible, but uh, I had still the idea at the back of my head. And I started looking at some trip reports and I started thinking, maybe, maybe it is possible. Okay. And then I started looking at some more reports and talking to, to some people and I was like, yeah, it's definitely possible. I should do that. Okay. Um, and then I just, yeah, went for it. I had the amazing support of my parents, obviously, who allowed me to do that and gave me the means to do that. Um, but yeah, no, it was, yeah. <laughs> I was halfway through my master's uh, struggling a bit with um, my work-life balance. Yeah. Um, and I, that's when I realized I didn't want to go into a PhD right after. So that was out of question. And I was like, well, I need something to look forward to. I need something to start planning because I've always known what I was going to do next. And I got halfway through my master's. I was like, what the hell do I do now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think starting that project gave me something to look forward to. Yeah. Um, which was also one of the things I struggled with at the time and I, yeah I just I just went for it yeah yeah I lifted something off of a blog you did when I think you were well into the big batch here yeah, yeah. I, I was reading up on some of your blogs yesterday and and this this really hit home with me when when I saw that you you wrote this at the time and I thought I wonder what was going on in his mind uh, when he actually wrote this. Because, look, as, as someone, I mean, I'm fortunate. I've, I've travelled quite a few places around the world, but never, I've always organised tours or package holidays or whatever. Um, I've never done anything close to what uh, you've done. Um, but you're kind of doing this on your own, yeah, you're 
you're going into countries and cultures that I'm imagining a lot of the time you've never been to. And a lot of the time you're maybe landing at an airport and for a bulk of the trip or even some of the trip, you may not even know basic things like where you're sleeping and how you're traveling between places and all this kind of stuff, yeah? But this statement here, uh, you know, I thought I had a good idea of what I was getting myself into. I'm not sure I've ever been so wrong in my life, and I'm often wrong. This is nothing like what I had imagined. Now, I would imagine it was probably nothing like what you'd imagined for good and for bad reasons. Do you want to talk a little bit about, about this? Yeah. Yeah, so the way I prepared that trip was by going through reports and looking up sightings, uh, sighting websites and try to get an idea of the sites I should be uh, visiting, things like that. But that's only a small part of the picture. My friends who had done that with birds, they were able to contact local guides who'd show them birds. So they had some form of um, certainty of things that were going to happen. And that's why they all they started planning 18 months prior to their trip. I started planning six months before my trip because I, I could just not do any more planning because there was so little information available that that's all I had. I did contact a few bird guides as well because I wanted to, you know, in the nice places, I wanted to get a, a good um, sense of the birds as well. And a lot of the guides were really interested in uh, searching for bats as well. But the reason it was nothing like I imagined is because I, it, you know, if, if you look up sightings on the sighting website, on the sighting website, you, you see what people have seen, what you, you see the reports of what people have seen. You don't see the reports of what people haven't seen. You don't uh, see yeah. the report of what it took for said people to see said things. Yeah. Um, and that can give you a very biased uh, view of what it takes to find bats anyway. Yeah. So I knew what it was like to use a website like that in Belgium to find the species I wanted to see. And that's what I had done so far. And it worked really well, but I knew Belgium pretty well. I know both languages spoken, spoken in Belgium, mainly. Um, I knew how to get around things. If you take all that, if you go into a country where you don't know how to get around, you don't know, you don't know the language, you don't know anyone locally, all you have are GPS coordinates. It's just not enough. Yeah. Because even if you have GPS coordinates of a cave, it's not enough to know where the bloody cave is. You know how you need to know how to get to it. Because yeah. there was a cave in Mexico. I never got to visit it simply because well, I got to the GPS coordinates. But I was up there. The okay. cave was down there. And there was a 300 meter cliff. <laughs> okay. So I was I was definitely on the right location. I was just not where I was supposed to be to enter the cave, uh, and there was no obvious way to go down. So I think that's a good example of of, uh, of the difficulty of working just with GPS coordinates. Yeah. And then there's also the good. Obviously, I saw many bats and went to many locations that were not in any of the reports, any of the websites I visited. And the main, the main thing that allowed me to, to, to find those places were the local people. I discovered very quickly that if you go into a village and ask people there to show you a cave with bats, they'll know one. Okay. And they'll, they'll happily take you to it. They'll look at you slightly in a weird way because they'll be like, what, what kind of crazy person is this? Uh, <laughs> but they, they'll be happy to show it to you. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure that if we spoke the same language, they would very much have wanted to ask me why the bloody hell I wanted to do that. Yeah. But <laughs> that's beside the point. Um, and I think, yeah, that, that's the one of the things I realized um, about halfway through my trip was how important it was to talk to people um, to, to gather that information. I could not do this on my own. That was just not possible. Yeah. 
And um, obviously that, that means that if I were to do it again, which I won't, I would do it differently. Um, but yeah, it's, yeah, there's, there's a lot more to this than reports and, and sightings and things like that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I can totally relate to what you're saying there earlier about the bird stuff. I, I mean, the thing I really, I don't do enough when I'm overseas is bat work. But the thing that I tend to do a lot more of when I'm overseas is, you know, is, is birding. And, and anywhere I go in, in Europe or elsewhere, I'm always pulling out bird reports, just like what you've said, to find sites that might be good for, uh, you know, going for target species. And, and what you've said there about five, 10 minutes ago about it's so easy to look at these reports and think this is going to be easy, yeah? And and even if the reports on a, a nature reserve um, <laughs> that you would normally be able to get access to and you turn up at the wrong day of the week, you know, you've traveled. I've done this before, in fact, I think I did this in Portugal uh, for a nature reserve, it was either Portugal or Spain. I can't remember which one it was now. And I got in a car two hours to get to this uh, this uh, location. And I can't remember, it was a Tuesday. And this location was closed every Tuesday. <laughs> and it was full of yeah. bird hides and everything. You know, it, it was it was there on a plate. But I just chose the wrong day to go. Um, and that's a very simple example of what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, if you go to more remote locations, it's not as obvious when you can't enter a specific area because there's no sign saying this is closed on Tuesdays. There's no, there's no sign anywhere. Yeah. But the locals know that that part of the land belongs to that person and you have to ask that person if you want to enter it. There's no fence, there's nothing. But if you yeah. don't do it, well, you could be in trouble or you could just be, you could just come across as rude, which is, Totally understandable. Yeah. But it also means that it's a lot, it's, it, it requires local knowledge to understand exactly what, what, what's going on. Um, yeah. It's not just a matter of looking up the sign and calling a phone number like you have in some nature reserves. Hey. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, ha I had a few of those as well. But yeah. Yeah. But I would also imagine, I would get this a lot with birds as well, that in pursuit of something, yeah? So you've got a target species on your radar and in pursuit of that, you don't always get what you're after. You but get it some, Yeah, but, what, but, but as a result, if you're trying to get what you're after, you actually get something that's completely unexpected, but just as good or just as interesting for a different reason. Yeah. 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 Let's, let's have a look at uh, some of the uh, places that you've been. So this is a, I think this isn't the complete map or it's not necessarily the accurate map, but it, it gives a flavor of what you did in 12 months. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Th this map, I, I drew it very early on when I was still planning. I ended up removing a, a number of countries both during the planning phase and during the trip as well. Um, so it started with the with the purple, the the long purple flight all the way to New Zealand. I was the first one to do big big year for bats, so I could pretty much set my own rules. I didn't have a set of rules that other people had set, but obviously I want them to make sense. But the the rule I had to respect was from first of January to thirty first of December. Okay. Yeah. But New Zealand only has two bats, two okay. bats species. So it was not a good idea for me to spend two weeks there. But I love that country so much that I could not accept spending any less than two weeks there. So what I figured was like, hey, I could go there mid-December, spend second half of December there, and then spend three days into January. That would count towards the big bat year. Yeah, okay. So I would have effectively two and a half weeks in New Zealand, but only three days would count towards the big bat year. Okay. Um, and that's what I did. <laughs> and I'm glad I did that. So that's that's the reason I started in New Zealand. Okay. Yeah. You can pretty much start anywhere. Well, obviously, if you start on 1st of January, you have to pick a location where you can get that. Yeah. Um, but 
I could have started in South America, they could have started in Africa, but went for New Zealand for that reason. Yeah. Then yeah. I um I made my way through all the well not all the Pacific Islands, but a number of Pacific Islands. Um which is where I found some incredible things. It it, it definitely was one of the best parts of the trip. Because no one does a lot of bat work over there. Um, in New Caledonia, I ended up rediscovering a presumed extinct species, which is amazing. Yeah. And then, yeah, I continued traveling. I, I spent a lot of time on a lot of different islands because islands, while they have less diversity than the continent, they will usually have a more unique diversity. So if you go from one island to the next, you'll have very different species present. And even some species that could be common on, on one island could be rare on another one, but then another species could be common there. So if you move a lot between islands, you'll get a lot of different species very quickly. Okay, yeah. So that was a good way to do it. Because on the contrary, on, on the continent, the I found the best strategy was not to move around a lot like people do with birds. It was actually to spend two weeks on the same bloody spot and just trap every single night and then explore the areas as well for, for caves and roosts and things like that. Yeah. But it was far, it was a far better idea to stay in one spot and just keep trapping, keep looking for bats because that's how you get the really rare species. It's not by going everywhere and just trapping one night here and there. And there. So that's why I removed a number of countries as well. So I could spend more time in each one. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, there was a little awkward bit where I had to go from Japan to the US and then back to Europe. But that was just a timing thing uh, because I had to be in North America in the summer. And that yeah. was the only way I could be in North America and Europe in the summer. Um, so that was a bit of a challenge, but it worked fine um, in the end. But so, yeah, as you can see, I visited all continents that have bats. Yeah. I, I visited a total of 29 countries. I didn't know, I didn't, sorry, I didn't go to West Africa or Central Africa at all. Um, okay. That was, I really want to go there because the diversity is incredible, but I, I couldn't plan something that I was happy with um, given the, the difficulty of traveling to that region. In other places, I was happy to just land there and do my thing. In China, I landed. I did most of my stuff in a city. I went to the parks there that had huge ponds and found lots of bats. But I was completely on my own. Okay. And then I went to um, a national park by bus and everything. So I, I was happy to do my own thing in China. Yeah. But I was not happy to do that in Cameroon or Gabon or, yeah. Okay. Not... And then also skipped Sri Lanka because at the time it was shortly after the terror attack. Okay. Yeah. And there was, at the time I took the decision not to go, there was still a curfew in place from 6 PM. So that would mean I could not go out at night looking for bats. Yeah. All I yeah. could do was during the day and they had a complete ban on social media. So that would mean it would be very difficult for me to communicate with, anyone <laughs> yeah yeah so i felt this this wasn't a, a good idea um yeah i, I it wasn't the, the fact that i didn't want to go to a place where there, were, there had been a terror attack because there had been one in brussels um and i was very close to it and I, so that was not the thing that spoke to me a lot of people asked me are you not scared to go to all these dangerous places i'm like well it's, it's, yeah. So yeah, I, I, and, and you know something with that, uh, when it comes to that sort of scenario, uh, where we live in Western Europe, we're probably living in one of the most dangerous parts of the world for potential terrorist attacks yeah. anyway, yeah. you know, and, uh, and I had this, I mean, Sri Lanka is a place I have been to and it's an amazing country and amazing people, amazing wildlife. And, uh, you know, but, but I remember it was either Sri Lanka or uh, one of my African trips where somebody said to me, just like you, you know, 
oh, you're going there, is that not a bit dodgy? And I'm sitting there thinking, I work in the centre of the capital of Scotland, in Edinburgh at that point. You know, if somebody is going to do a terrorist attack, you know, you know, Edinburgh or London or Brussels is as big a target as anywhere in the planet, really. So, yeah, I can relate to what you say. It was a, a big terrorist attack in 2016 in Brussels. Yeah. So after that, I didn't feel like any other country would... I, mean, I didn't feel like I could actually objectively say this country is more dangerous than another one. Obviously, there were some countries that were completely off the table. Um, yeah. Like Venezuela, things like that. It, 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 but that's, yeah. I, that, I, that, but that's for, that's for different reasons. And, yeah. yeah and, and, and I mean, there's very little bad work done there anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't really have any contacts there. Yeah. But yeah, there aren't any countries that are where I had contacts or I could find contacts that I dismissed because of security reasons. Um, there are some countries I was a bit more anxious when I got to them, um, but yeah, it was all fine. Yeah, yeah. So any, I mean, this, this is a boring question, okay, and I don't know, you'll probably give a diplomatic answer, but, but come on, Nils, which one of these places was your favourite? The Solomon Islands. Hmm? The Solomon, Solomon Islands, okay. Yes. So that's that's uh, over here somewhere else. Um, Yes, uh, it would be so. The the, um, yeah. the first bat after New Zealand is Fiji. Okay. And then don't know what that one is, but that one oh, that that must have been New Caledonia, and then you, Solomon Islands. Yeah, the order there changed actually. Okay. Okay. Right. But yeah, so I I've been asked that question a lot. Um, I've also been asked the question of what's my favorite bat. I cannot right. answer the question about what, what my favorite bat is but i can answer the question about my favorite part of of the um, of the trip it's it was the solomon islands i didn't see that many bats um i got a few um but not that many compared to how many were on the island i was on um i was on the main island when i land what the main island the one that has the capital okay um but i had such an amazing experience so i was staying at a homestay, so there was there was a family living there as well, and I just spent a lot of time playing with the kids. I the, 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 there's a small island right across um, where there was a, a huge, very bloody battle during the Second World War, uh, one of the worst uh, naval battles of the war. Um, the kids knew the island because they could see it every day, but when I decided. When I accepted to lend them my binoculars, the first kid just looked at it. It was like, there's a house. And all the other wow. kids were like, no, there's no house on that island. Okay. <laughs> they all looked at the, at the island through my binoculars and they realized there was a house. And I don't know why, it's, it's, it sounds silly, but it was, it was, it was an amazing experience. Yeah. It's just by bringing my binoculars there, I allowed them to figure out there was a house on the, on the island. Wow. And I think it was just so much fun. And then every night they would, even when I decided not to go batting, uh, but w one of the um, people living there knew of a bat or saw a bat. It was like, oh, there's a bat, there's a bat. You should go and see it. <laughs> and um, and that, I mean, I found some really cool bats like that. I also caught one that, yeah, the, the bat was really painful. I had gloves. I had thick leather gloves and it went right through them. It's, it's a small bat. It's a small nectar-eating bat like that. Okay. Uh, but it's got insane strength in its jaws and insanely um, pointy teeth. I don't know why, because it feeds on nectar. I don't know no. why these bats are like that. Okay. But I found that nectar-feeding bats are the worst. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. And I've heard other people say that too. So there must be something there. I don't know why, but there must be something there. Okay. Whereas, yeah. So I had a painful experience, but I also had a, yeah, I found some really cool bats, yeah. Yeah, but you had some uh, slightly more disturbing experiences as well. So I knew bats were sold on markets and things like that. Um, 
but I wanted to get pictures of that because I knew it was, I knew it happened. Um, and I knew of places where it was happening, but I hadn't seen that many pictures. And I thought it, it's, a, it's, it's one thing to talk about that. It's like we said earlier, it's one thing to talk about something. It's another one to be able to illustrate it and show what it's really like. So I went to the famous market of Tomohon in Sulawesi. I took some, some pictures there, but I, I thought these pictures are a bit gross. I, I don't want to share them. And it's funny because at last year's Wildlife Photographer of the Year, one of the uh, awarded pictures was a picture from that market. So perhaps I should have shared my picture, but anyway. <laughs> okay. Um, but then I heard that bats were sold in Jakarta as well, which is the capital of Indonesia. And the bats there were sold alive. Um, and that's why I really wanted to go. So I had hired a bird guide uh, who showed me some birds, but also asked him, could you please show me the markets? So we visited three markets in total. Um, we found bats on two of them. On one of them, I could not find someone who would allow me to take pictures because I didn't want to be that person who takes pictures when without asking permission yeah. yeah, and then being like, what you're doing is wrong. That That was not what I wanted to do. Yeah. What I wanted to do was take pictures with permission and then show the bat world what what's happening. Um, yeah, I, that, I mean, those people need to make a living somehow. Yeah. Um, I think there are obviously better alternatives, but it's 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 a tricky situation. It's not just bad and wrong. Uh, sorry, good and bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, this is actually the the largest bat in the world. It's the giant vampire. Uh, sorry, the Latin name is vampirus, but it's giant um, flying fox. Wow. That took longer than it should. Um, <laughs> and you can see that the cage is obviously too small for that huge bat. And I just, I mean, the, the flying foxes have such beautiful faces and such expressive faces. You can, you can almost see what they think. Um, and when you see them behave and, and move around and things, you, you, they behave a bit like puppies. Um, I visited a bat hospital in, in Australia um, and they had a, lots of, of flying fox orphans and yeah you can see them look at you be like what 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 yeah. <laughs> you know you bring the camera closer and then they got they get in, even more intrigued and then yeah it, it did make me sad to see that flying fox in the cage yeah yeah, but yeah i thought it was it was an important picture to take because yeah i think i think it says a lot yeah yeah i saw i saw your post last week yeah. or the week before when uh, I think you were trying to correct somebody on Facebook or whatever, and not quite, but you got uh, you got some abuse because <laughs> yeah, it got a bit heated. I, I mean, yeah, it was yeah. yeah. Uh, but and I think twenty five bat workers got involved in the end, and the the bloke still did would not accept that the picture was not a bumblebee map. Okay, okay. So he, he was. <laughs> more happy to believe what a random website said than what 25 bat workers from all over the globe would say yeah <laughs> interesting yeah and, and of course I, I don't know if you anticipated at the beginning of the big bat year that you would start uh, having a, a supposed to to have almost like a career as a as a public speaker <laughs> to large audiences, small audiences, all over the world, I suspect. Um, was this something that you anticipated on day one, or did not you kind of really? Go into this? So I I wanted to have an audience because I think sharing stuff like this only makes sense if you've got the audience to go with it. And that's why I spend time developing my website and, and the Facebook page, things like that. But no, I was not expecting to have so much 
demand for talks in back groups or even to to ever talk at the national back conference i mean that that, that was quite quite something <laughs> and yeah i mean i've got another couple of talks coming up next month on um on my world tour as well so people are still interested so i think i think that's amazing and uh, i'm really happy to do that but no i was not anticipating that at all and while i also i knew it would allow me to develop my network of contacts i was not expecting it to be the case to the extent that it is so yeah i mean i now i've got an amazing network of contacts and yeah it, it it makes a lot of things very easy um especially now that i've started working for the for the iucn red list if if i need some information i could message someone on facebook ask them a quick question it doesn't have to be a formal email um to someone i don't know yeah so yeah that that's really useful as well yeah yeah I was just, uh, I'm going to be a little bit self-indulgent, uh, ladies and gentlemen here, but uh, I was honoured that day, and it was the first time I ever met Nils, actually, was after he delivered this, very, very briefly, I just, we just introduced ourselves to each other afterwards, but that, that is me, I'm actually sitting there in the audience there, uh, <laughs> uh, and that was the first time that uh, I'd seen, seen this guy, heard him speak, and, and I'm, and I'm going to sort of say Nils, and I'm quite sure there was quite a few people in the audience that would have uh, possibly been uh, thinking the same. Um, well, first of all, I really wanted to hear about what you'd been doing, but I kind of expected your presentation to be more like a whistle-stop tour of all the different bat species you'd seen in different countries. And as interesting as that would have been, I actually came away from that presentation that day thinking to myself, okay, no, there is a lot more to this guy and what this guy has been doing than just ticking boxes and gathering a species list, as impressive as that is. Um, so, yeah, so I think anybody that ever gets the chance to see you do one of your formal presentations you know, they're in for a lot of uh, interesting uh, anecdotes and stories and you know things that sit behind what you've been doing yeah yeah exactly i mean my my experience was a lot more than ticking boxes like you say so there's no reason why when i share my experience i should limit people to a species list it i mean it could interest some people and there is a way online to get that that species list um but i don't really advertise that uh not because i don't want people to see it but just because i don't think it's that interesting i think talking about some of the species in in more detail and how i got to see them and and why why it matters uh is a lot more interesting uh sort of highlighting a few um because of conservation reasons because of research opportunities anything but I think it's a lot more interesting to cover, I don't know, a dozen species in detail and the, the anecdotes that go with them and the, yeah, the cultural experience, the, the, the research experience, anything, any experience that goes with the species, because there are a lot of species that I could, all I could do was list them because I only saw them briefly or, or only had one recording of them. It, I, I don't find those species very interesting. Yeah. And that's, and this is maybe being a bit, uh, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Look, because I come from the birding world as well as the bat world, the, the thing that I notice as a generalization, as a generalization, it's not always true, but if this had been a bird big bat year, yeah, the species list and the number of species seen would probably be far more prominent in what would be getting talked about. Is that fair to say? Because that's yeah. just because that's just how birders work generally. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. and I mean, you can see the job right there. That I've got um, a slide with some of the numbers. Now, these were the numbers in August um, 
sorry, July 2019, so only a little over halfway through. And I, I did show the numbers because I know that some people wanted those numbers. And I've had people ask me, well, how many species did you get? Things like that. Uh, but mostly they were coming from birders. And I think that that's, that's actually fair enough because the concept of a begier is mostly a birder thing. And yes, there is a number element to my big bat year. Um, but when I'm asked now to give a short description of, of what the big bat year was, I say it was an attempt to see as many bats as I could, but turned out to be so much more. And that, that's, that's my feeling about it. I, I, I had 396 bat species, but if I only say that, it, it, it doesn't even give a hint of the fact that I discovered a new species, of the fact that I rediscovered one that was thought to be extinct, that I photographed some of the species for, if not the first time, one of the very first times, um, that I gave, now I must have given 20 talks on that, um, that allowed me to develop a huge network of contacts. That those things are not included when you say 396, and those yeah. things are the things that make me happy about my big bat year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because if I if if all I did was focus on the 396, I would be like, why is that not 400? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Believe me, I, I, I tried that 400. It just uh, would not work. It would just would not happened yeah was there anything um was there anywhere that you went and a little bit like the mexican cave example i suppose but like a country that you went to where it just went totally wrong and it was like oh my goodness i've, I've wasted a week i've wasted two weeks to try and get something or uh, did, was there anything like that um um, luckily, no. Um, I think the closest one that would get to that would be India, um, because I really struggled to find, um, to get in touch with people, to find caves, to find anything, to, to, to actually do anything. But I did manage to get in touch with a few people, and they, they really stayed the trip. Amazingly, even if I spent, I think I spent a couple of days in Bangalore with, with a researcher there, he showed me so many different caves. He spent so much time with me yeah. that he, he it just made up for the entire frustration of the previous 10 days. Right. Yeah. And, and I think, yeah, that, that's really when I realized that that's what I needed to do. I needed to get in touch with people and be like, hey, do you want to show me some things or just tell me where I need to go? Yeah. Um, and well, yeah, the, the, the bloke was called Rajesh and uh, well yeah he really saved my Indian trip and I'm really grateful for that and so yeah I, I don't consider India to be a complete failure um, I could have probably done things differently and maybe with a better outcome and I only saw uh, six species in India which is not a lot yeah yeah um, well six new ones uh, but I don't know. I'm not. I'm not that frustrated about it. No, yeah. because I found an amazing guy. I spent two amazing days with him, um, and he showed me the bats that he knew. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, no, that's that's that's, no, that's that's fascinating, fascinating. So let let's move on to now and what's next. And well, let's start with you know not necessarily what's next. B big bat year is now goodness almost twelve months behind you yeah um what are you doing now what, what's happening because obviously you haven't been traveling much this year no. because of covid and i suppose there comes a point there comes a point where you get to the end of what you've done and the world is a very different place and all of a sudden you're not under pressure to have to go places, but you may be under different kinds of pressure. Um, talk, talk us through, talk us through that a bit. Yeah, I'm not sure I understood what you mean. Actually. Yeah, I, I suppose what I mean is, it's it's not like this, okay? But to kind of give it like an everyday type scenario, you get something like a rock group have been on a worldwide tour for a year, okay? 
And then they, they come back, like they've had the buzz of doing what they've been doing. And then all of a sudden it's kind of like, well, what's next? What do we do now? Because it's like everything that was planned and prepared just comes to a sudden stop. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. That's kind of what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it was tricky uh, because when I got home on the 30th of December, 2019, I was like, right, what do we do now? But then I had already planned a tour in the UK to give talks in a number of places. That's um, when we met in Edinburgh as well. Yes. Um, and that's that was really my focus. It was get the most out of what I did. So that would mean give talks to share my experience with people. Also spend some time figuring out a book idea, um, which I am currently sort of should be working on. Um, it's, well, yeah, it, it, writing is something I always struggle with uh, because there's always a voice in my head being like, this is not very interesting. Um, okay. And um, yeah, so th this is something I struggle with. But anyway, I, 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 I haven't thrown the book idea out of the window yet. So hopefully it will happen. Um, and um, actually I had decided before the end of my big bad year that I would give myself six months of doing nothing after that. So that I could spend time, um, you know, reviewing footage, reviewing. Uh, my plan was also to re review the back calls, which never happened. They're still sitting on a, on a drive right there. Haven't touched them. <laughs> yeah. um, now I need to send a couple to someone from the US. So that's what I'll, I'll, I'll do. I sent a couple to people in Kenya, people in Taiwan, um, because they had told me they were interested in, in some specific calls, but I haven't gone through all of them, just sorting them. And, yeah. Uh, so that was the plan. But then, well, yeah, obviously with COVID and everything. Um, now, in a way, COVID wasn't as frustrating for me travel-wise than it would have been any other year because yeah. I had no plans to travel this year. Okay, yeah. Because, I mean, it was it was a lot last year, that, yeah. Um, and it also allowed me to focus on what I wanted to do professionally. Yeah. So since the autumn 2018, I've been doing bad sound analysis for a... Um, consultancy in, uh, in Belgium um, and obviously I can do that whenever I want to um, but yeah I, I, I would like to do a bit more than that while I found that super interesting I also really enjoy training people uh, and just sharing things yeah yeah so I think I, I want to move towards a a career that would allow me to combine those things and hopefully those things will also allow me to fund some research as well. Yeah, yeah. So maybe a PhD at some point, perhaps, yes? Or... Yeah, I'm not too sure about the PhD. I've, um, I've talked okay. to a lot of people about that and I'm, I'm not sure because um, it requires a level of dedication for four years on a specific subject that I don't know I could, I could do. Yeah, I can, I can stay interested in something for for years. That that's perfectly fine. But can I? I would feel trapped in a single subject if I am not able to sometimes do something else. Yeah, 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 yeah. I like I like the book idea as well. I mean, I think uh, you know a book on the big back year, for example. There are so many. There are so many different directions a book idea could actually take you. I'm, I'm, I'm imagining different chapters on different, on totally different aspects of the experience. You know, it's, uh, so I, I, I don't, the idea I don't have know. now would be to have chapters based on the locations. Okay. Yeah. Not necessarily countries could be regions as well, yeah. but basically it would be 
it's sort of, if we really simplify the idea, it would be an extended version of my talks. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I also want to include a number of, I would like to include some, some information boxes on topics like bat migration, bat location, things like that, yeah. that people wouldn't normally read on, um, at least not the audience I expect my, uh, to read my book, or not most people. Um, because most of that information would only be in scientific papers. Yeah, yeah. It hasn't really been simplified and put into a book yet. Especially yeah. bat migration. There isn't the book on bat migration. No, I don't, um, yeah. The information out there is all in papers. Yeah. And I don't mind reading papers, but I know many people don't want to, don't have the time to do it, or don't even know how to do it. To do it. Yeah. yeah. So I think that by putting this in a book that's easy to read, because it's it's just travel stories and, and my control experience, my, my bat search experience. Yeah, that, that, that would be... Uh, that would be good if I if I managed to do that. Yeah. Yeah, I think it'd be exciting. And and you know, in the world of uh, birds, since that's something we both know a lot about, that there are there are lots of books in the bird world that are about journeys or experiences or yeah. uh, or searching out just a single species, for example, yeah. uh, and stuff like this. But we don't we don't really have. No, other than children's books, I'm struggling to think of anything like that in the bat Molly Tuttle has written one. Okay. A Life with Bats, yeah. Okay. It's a good okay. book, actually, yeah. Yeah, but uh, that's, un that's unusual. I mean, that, that is unusual. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, murder in his way is quite unusual. Um, <laughs> okay. In a good way. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he's, I mean, yeah, I was really happy to meet him. To, that must have been a big buzz. Yeah, that must be a big buzz for you. Yeah. Well, yeah, because I, so I wanted to go to Bracken Cave, and Bracken Cave is in Texas, and I realized, hey, um, you know what else is in Texas? Merlin's in Texas. Right. Yeah. So I got in touch, and then he, he was really happy to set a date so we could meet, and then he even arranged my visit to Bracken Cave. He just phoned someone, and it was, we just went. Okay. Yeah. Um, and that was incredible was because we spent the evening together talking about bats and his career and things like that. It was, it was great. Yeah. 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 And you must be, and again, I know this isn't what we, we even should, had yeah. pizza together. See, this is... Yeah. <laughs> no, I know this doesn't make you, this doesn't necessarily what makes you tick, but, but apart from maybe Merlin, um, Merlin Tuttle, you must have encountered more species of bat than possibly any other person on the planet. Oh, there can't be that many people. No, uh, there are a couple of mammal watchers who have pretty good bat lists. Yeah. Um, I haven't taken the time to compare my list to them. I don't know if I want to. I, I'm not really that interested. Yeah. But even if yeah, I mean, I, that would put me in the top five anyway. So I don't, yeah. Yeah, I, it's, it's amazing. I mean, uh, you know, it's, uh, it is amazing. And it's, it's also that what I did was in, in one year. Yes. I would end up comparing my list to life lists of people who are between two and three times my age. Yeah. I yeah. don't think that makes any sense. Yeah, no, no, but I, absolutely. I suppose what I'm trying to get at there is uh, the breadth of exposure that you've had to different cultures, different countries from a bat perspective. Mm. You know, it's pretty darn impressive. It is pretty darn impressive. So I think we will uh, take things to an end there. First of all, I am pretty pleased with myself that I asked you to do this. Um, yeah, thank you. But, yeah, but, but more importantly, I kind of asked you to do it and I'm thinking, I didn't want it to be like one of your lectures because, you know, I want I wanted to kind of get in behind that and I, and I think I think we've succeeded. Yeah. Uh, but but I was, when, when you agreed to do it, um, I just thought to myself, this is going to be interesting and there are going to be so many different aspects of, uh, of what you do 
I was really happy when you asked me because I knew that well, you had seen one of my talks. So obviously yeah. you would want something different, yeah. uh, which is good because, yeah, well, when different back groups ask me to give a talk, um, usually I give a fairly similar one. It's never the same because I don't prepare my talks. I just put pictures on the screen. If I, I move pictures around, yeah. put new ones in, remove old ones. Um, so they're slightly different, but it's still kind of the same um, structure. But yeah, no, I was hoping this interview would be different, and it was different, so it's great. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, no, no, well, thank you. Chuff, chuff, chuff to bits that, uh, that you agreed to do it. We hope you enjoyed this Talking Bat interview, which is unedited audio-only version of the original video session. The full version, including video, is available via Betability Club, our online training platform. To find out more about Club, go to betability.co.uk. Till next time, thank you.